Hello, and welcome to Deep and the Wild. I'm Melissa Hawks, and today I'm so excited to have a dear friend joining me, Amber Salas. Amber is a podcaster, a blogger, a writer, and the proud owner of a horse and several goats. Today we're going to be talking about embodiment, which is such an amazing topic, and we will be touching on something a little spicy too. We'll be talking about sex, single sex, but also married sex. So sit back, relax, prepare yourself, and enjoy the show. So, um, thank you for that. Maybe I'll edit it. Maybe I won't. Who knows? <laughs> We're being wild these days. Deep in the wild. That's what's happening here. But Amber and I have this friendship where we uh, message each other on Voxer. And it has been that way for like six years, I think. Five or six years. Has it been that long? Yes, it has. <laughs> it really has. Um, and so here we are now. So Amber, tell us a little bit about yourself and where people can find you on the internet. Hi guys. So I'm Amber Solis. Um, you can find me, uh, just under my name. My website is ambersolis.com, which is spelled a little wonky. It's S A L H U S for my last name. And on Instagram, I'm just at Amber Solis. I think I have a Twitter account, but I honestly, I haven't even been on it in like two years. Like I don't use, I don't, I can't handle Twitter. At least not right now. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find me. I actually quoted you on Twitter the other day and tagged you in it. And I was like, she never gets on here. I didn't even see it. <laughs> um, so there will be many things that we talk about today, I'm sure. I can't wait to see what tangents we get off on. Um, but one of the things that we are going to talk about is embodiment. And um I want to say, like, there is this moment that I remember for you when you were kind of, um, you, and please, I want you to share about this if you feel comfortable, but you had a lot of uh, self-hatred, like, towards your body. We're just diving right in, folks. We're not right. nice. We're diving right in. But Let's I feel it. like there was, um, you, you were very focused on, on your body and things that you didn't like about it. And I remember you having this moment where you said, I don't want my daughter to talk about her body this way or to think of her body this way. Mm-hmm. Like that stuck with me. And I feel like from that moment till now, you, I have just seen you follow through on those words. So I'd love to hear uh, just about that journey, like the start of it for you and, and yeah. what I'd like to share. I guess I just realized a minute ago when you said, tell us a little bit about yourself. I said where you could find me, but I didn't really tell the listeners anything about myself. So hi guys, I'm Amber. I'm 38. I have been married for 18 years to my husband, Nate, happily. We have two kids. Um, My daughter, Bella is 13. My son, Jackson is 10. So that's just like a little bit about me. We live in the Oregon countryside. We have, we collect animals like it's our job, (laughs) but it's not because we don't get paid for it. I wish we did. But, um, but yeah, I, this whole concept of embodiment is something that I'm really fascinated by and curious about and excited about. And I feel like just now at 38 years old, Mm -hmm. I'm, only beginning to truly do the work of coming home to my body and to myself. And I think for me, just on this particular idea of embodiment and how we inhabit our bodies, it's something that has been a huge narrative in my life, but not one that I was always consciously aware of, Mm. which I mean, for all women, it is like, we're all thinking about our bodies yeah all the time right <laughs> so it's not like on it's not like I didn't realize that but I I just always kind of had like a very simple relationship with my body growing up right. I I you know I had normal insecurities but I nothing crazy like I was a pretty confident happy kid I had a happy home life I had friends I was the kind of person who was just kind of naturally thin for most of yeah. my life and I didn't really think much about it, but but deep down, that was like a part of me that I started to take on as like my identity. Like this body, this thin body that I'm used to living in was, I didn't realize it, but it had become sort of like part of the bedrock of how I identified yeah. in the world. 
And, you know, then you have one baby and your body, I mean, this is what's interesting too, is like half of the population gives birth. Maybe that's, that's not factual scientific statistics, but you know what I mean? Like half of, half of the world is women and a lot of women have babies. It's like this thing that is very common to go through, but it is traumatic. It is traumatic to our bodies. Our whole, like everything about us gets rearranged down to a cellular level after becoming a mom. And for me, that was when my sort of, I guess you could say struggles, but really how I describe it is like, I started to just have a disconnect from my body. Mm -hmm. Um, I gained a lot of weight with both pregnancies, way more than I thought I ever would. (laughs) And after I had my daughter, it was the first time in my life that I really like had to work at losing weight. Um, which I didn't have to, but I felt that I had to, because I was like, okay, this body that I'm looking at right now, I don't identify with this. I don't receive it. Like we got to get this, get it out of here. Of course. And so I, I lost the weight, you know, most, mostly, and I don't want this to all become about weight either, but I'm just sharing my story. And for me, that was a big part of how I identified in my body. Yeah was the size of it. And anyway, so then I had, you know, my second son and both of my deliveries were also really traumatic, just in different ways. The babies were under stress. They weren't doing well. Everything was very rushed. Um, My first one, we barely made it to the hospital in time. And then my second one with my son, I had to have an emergency C-section, which again, a very common thing, but also like very traumatic to your body. I remember laying there on the table crucified basically like you're just you know you're gutted and I was having a reaction to the medicine and my body was shaking and I was having these tremors and it was just I felt like trapped in my body and it was such a bizarre feeling yes and I came home from the hospital my my babies were both really colicky my son my youngest he cried bloody murder for six hours a day for six months of his life it was just it was intense. And I feel like every mom can remember a day when their kid like really loses it and just cries all day. And like how tough that day was wow, <laughs> and for, yeah. mom, for moms who have colicky babies. Like that's just every day. And it's hard on your nervous system. It really yes. is um, because you're so emotionally connected to this person. And I'm mm-hmm. an empath anyways. I'm an Enneagram four. I like live all up in my feelings. <laughs> And so she can attest to this. Oh, I love feelings the best. But, but as a mom, that's another weird element of like, you, I'm now feeling the feelings of like this child and my baby. And anyways, I'm on a tangent, but after I had my son, I remember like two weeks after I had him standing in my bathroom, you know, I was greasing up with vitamin E oil, all of my stretch marks that I'd gotten. And I just looked at my body in the mirror and I just cried like hot tears that landed on my cheeks and then landed on my belly that was sticking out. And I had it like a Nike swoosh of a scar because they were in a hurry and my boobs were just National Geographic. It was just like, I didn't recognize this body. Yeah. And it was kind of like the nail in the coffin. Like, I remember that moment of being like, I don't want to show up in the world in this body. And I didn't even think that on a conscious level. Um, But now in retrospect, I can see that that was the beginning of like a great disconnect for me. And I spent the better part of a decade yo-yo dieting and trying every different kind of extreme you know, work out, like, I'm not afraid to work out. I, I worked out, but I had an unhealthy relationship with food and I had an unhealthy relationship with my body. Yeah, and I felt like I couldn't come home to it until it looked the way that I wanted to. And the thing that's so ridiculous and stupid about that whole line of thinking, besides the fact that it's tired and damaging, is that it doesn't work. Like, I've yes. lost weight more times than I can count. And it doesn't matter. Like, it's not the thing that flips the switch where you go, oh, now I'm confident. Now I feel good. Now I feel at home in my skin. Yeah. It doesn't always work that way. So I just, I yo-yoed for quite a few years. I gained and lost weight like it was my job. Um, And I just got to a point where I was so exhausted. Like, it took up so much 
real estate mentally, emotionally. I was giving so much energy to thinking about food or working out or fitting into clothes or feeling comfortable. It, It just was exhausting. And I just finally hit a point where I was like, I don't, I can keep doing this, but I don't want to like the cost is too great. And my daughter's getting older and she's turning into a teenager and she's having insecurities about her body. And, you know, I'm, I may be painting myself in a dramatic (laughs) light because I am an Enneagram four. it's not like I was walking around like, Oh, you know, bemoaning my body all the time. Like I tried to, but it's in your head. It is thought process. It is. I would always try to be really careful and positive, you know, whenever I talk about my body in front of my daughter, but that's also the kind of thing that you can't really fake. No. (laughs) And kids are smart and girls are really smart and intuitive when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I just kind of hit a point where I realized like, I don't, I'm too old for this shit. Like I'm almost 40. I want to enjoy my life. I want to like, I remember the first time I heard the phrase, like coming home to myself or coming home to yourself. I was in the gym, actually. I was working out, (laughs) doing whatever program I was doing at the time, which again, I don't think there's anything wrong with any of that stuff. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to get healthy or fit. Like that's all part of this. But anyways, I'm on another tangent. But I was at the gym, I was working out, I was listening to a podcast um, and the gal on the podcast was sharing about how she had had like three miscarriages in a row. Mm. And she was just talking about how the distrust she had for her body and how she felt like her body had betrayed her. And that was a thing that I used to joke about all the time, like getting older and how my body was betraying me without ever even realizing what a dangerous narrative that is. Like our bodies are for us. Our bodies are us. (laughs) And I, she, so she was sharing her story and she just said the phrase, like, I just decided it was time to come home to myself. And I just instantly like in the middle of the gym, got goosebumps on my whole body. I just tears started coming instantly. And I was like, Whoa, there, like, there's something there that I need to explore. And so for the last couple of years, I've just, I don't know how else to explain it. Like I have lost weight. I mean, over the last course of the last few years, I've lost over 40 pounds. Um, but that is not the thing that has changed for me. There's been a massive shift, but it has all been internal. It's all been in my mindset. It's all been in the way that I speak to myself. And it sounds so cliche, right? Like we're all being bombarded with messages of like self-care and self-love and it's all true and right, but it can just start to feel like buzzwords and like noise And that's kind of how it felt to me. Like, I didn't really even think that I was a person who necessarily struggled with that. And that's been one of the greatest gifts that this last six months, even though the world feels like a hot garbage dumpster fire (laughs) right now, having the quiet and the stillness and the space to just slow down and really process things. I'm a slow processor by nature just because I can get so caught up in my feelings, I can get stuck there. And it takes me a long time to move past that into like really logically processing how I'm feeling, how I'm doing, what's going on. And so these last six months have given me even more time to kind of slow down and really check in with myself. And it's just been shocking to me in the stillness of this season to realize how much of my inner monologue for my whole life just ran an endless loop of like harsh, mean, ugly. And I wouldn't have even like claimed that for myself Yeah, three years ago. You know what I mean? I'd be like, no, I don't, that's not a thing for me, but it was. So I've lost some weight, but that's not like, it's just not even about that for me anymore. For me now it's about being grounded in my body that's something that's really hard for me. I live in my head and in my feelings and I'm an overthinker and I have anxiety. And (laughs) um, one of the best gifts I could give myself is just like learning how to like ground down into my body and just be in my body. Yeah. You know, um, it's been really interesting because you were talking about how you have lost weight. Um, but one of the things that I have observed, and this is just my experience of it watching you, is that um, when you, like, started losing weight, it wasn't 
it didn't seem like you were on a weight loss journey. It seemed like you were on a getting healthy sort of journey, like listening to your body journey um, Mm -hmm. of like, and I don't know, maybe you did have like a goal weight you wanted to get to or something like that. But it seemed to me more just like, I want to get into healthy habits. I want to find balance. Um, Yes, 100%. That's what I've seen. And so I think you losing weight was your body just coming to a, a place where it felt comfortable. And that shifts. It does. It's fluid. Like it, we fluctuate and I've, I've gained weight many times over the last few years. I've lost weight, but like I said, that hasn't been the focus for me. You know, I guess I I feel like this started for me, this shift probably about two years ago. And it was at that point where I realized I'm too old and tired for this. I don't want it to have this much of a space in my life. Like I've got other things that I care about that I want to do that I'm dreaming about and pursuing. And this is baggage that's weighing me down. (laughs) And so I was like, something's got to give. And I did, I knew at the time that I needed and wanted change in my physical body. There was just issues. Like I I was not not listening to my body. It was signaling me so hard that there were things like this needs attention. Like I was having massive anxiety and headaches and back aches and clenching my jaw and stomach aches. And those are all things that we're all going to experience, but they were starting to become chronic. And I wasn't even realizing that my body was like, like waving a flag, like help this needs attention. And so I knew something had to give. And part of that would be physical change, but it couldn't be about that anymore. Like I had to, I felt like it was always about success or failure for me in this area of my life. And every time I cycled through gaining or losing weight and then putting it back on plus some, which I always did, it chipped away at me. It it chipped away at who I felt like I was on the inside. And, and I hit a point where I was like, I can't fail at this again. And so it can't be a pass or fail. It just has to be, I'm not going to quit. It's not about a number on the scale. It's about finding confidence and joy inside my body because God, don't we all deserve that? Like it's the most revolutionary thing. I think when a woman just feels confident in her skin, regardless of what size or shape it's in. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it just had to be about like, it's not a pass or fail. I'm in this for the long haul. I'm committed to my health. I'm committed to making peace with my body. And once it became about that, it just took the pressure off. And so it's been bumpy. It's not like, oh, I've got this all figured out. And this area of my life is just smooth sailing. It's constantly pivoting. It's two steps forward, one step back. It's listening to my body really, really well for a season. And then all of a sudden life gets wonky and realizing, oh, I'm not listening to my body anymore. I need to check in with myself again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that practice of of listening to our body, the more and more we do it, the better we get at it. And the more it becomes just a, a natural thing where we don't mm-hmm. have to even be as intentional most of the time about it because we're just so accustomed then to listening to it. Um, I, you know, that this year I um, made changes at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. uh, just for my mental health. I needed to, I, and, and my body too was doing that same thing where I had all this bloating. I had just all kinds of crazy things um, was having weird reactions to food and stuff. And I just kind of cleansed my diet of, of anything fake and went, went down to just eating a few like very nourishing, very whole foods type things. And then I started walking just for my mental health. And over this year, I have lost a good amount of weight too, but that was not my intention. It was the first time in my life, in my entire life in 38 years, like you, Mm -hmm. that I was doing it to just care for my body and not worry about what the scale said, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that makes such a difference um, in how our body responds to what we're doing. Yeah. I feel like once we can get our heads in a good space, our bodies will follow. Like they, like I said, our bodies are for us. They're not against us as much as we think that as much as the world tells us that. And it does take practice to listen to our bodies. Like it was a foreign language to me at first. I, it's funny because right before we, I hopped on with you this morning, I did like a 
like a 10 minute, just little, I use this app called Headspace. I did like a meditation and that's like a, just a normal part of my life that I do all the time now, just to kind of, like I said, help me to get present in my body. But the first time I did a meditation, like three years ago, it was a short, like three minute one, same, same app Headspace. They just like kind of walk you through this practice. And the second it started, I, I started sobbing and I had yeah. no idea why I was like, I truly had no clue where all of this like feeling was coming from. I just was, I, I was so uncomfortable and I couldn't figure out why. And it wasn't until much later that I realized like, oh, I just was, that's how, that's how disconnected I was from my body that I was yeah. so uncomfortable to just sit with myself and still in stillness and in quiet that I sobbed because it was like so uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting the way you have talked about your experience with childbirth and like kind of disconnecting from your body. And you spoke about another woman who had experienced um, uh, miscarriage a few times and her disconnection from her body. It's, it's so fascinating to me because the different elements that you shared are so similar to when someone has experienced sexual trauma. Two, um, there is this disassociation because you're just trying to survive. And when you look in the mirror, it, it's hard to make sense of that. There's that feeling of my body has betrayed me, you know, mm -hmm. for um, a trauma, a sexual trauma survivor. It's, it didn't keep me safe. And for you, it, it's this it sounds like it's this sense of I just I don't recognize myself anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and I think sometimes we for me, I know I never thought about for a pregnant woman, how traumatic that must be. And so it's just, it's fascinating to me how we're all kind of on a similar journey, even though we have these different experiences. Yeah. And like I said, I'm a slow processor. Like I had babies 10 and 13 years ago. <laughs> and I'm just now realizing that like, oh yeah, some That's of okay. that was traumatic. I mean, I think I shared this with you a couple of weeks ago. I was watching some TV show um, of this, it was like set in the fifties and this mom's yes, like, yes. has this baby that's screaming bloody murder and she's trying to comfort it. And it's like, my nervous system still goes into that like fight or flight mode when I hear a baby cry like that. And sure. but I mean, that was 13 years ago and I'm watching this episode of this mom trying to comfort her baby and she's failing and she's frustrated. And again, I burst into tears and I was like, Whoa, there's something there. Like it's, I'm just now realizing, oh yeah, that was a very traumatic thing that happened to my body that happened yeah. to me as a person. And I mean, I say happened to me, like I love being a mom and you know, it's very beautiful, but there are parts of it that are traumatic that people just don't really talk about. Like you're supposed to like pop out a baby and go back to your life and figure out this new version of you. And it's like, yeah, it, which, yeah, I, I think as you're pointing out, like it, it's different circumstances, whether it be trauma, whether it be having a baby, whether it be miscarrying, like our bodies are with us our whole life and they're going to tell our stories. And I don't know, we got to listen to them. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I don't think that there's, you were saying like, my kids are, you know, like 10 to 13. And I like, I don't think that there is a time frame for when, um, we acknowledge or recognize that we've experienced trauma. I think it's just when I have this note, um, <laughs> like above my desk, I have all these stickies. And one of them says, um, it, it says, I will see the answers when I need to. And I think, I think of that. I think like we see things when we're ready to see them, when we have the space to see them and when we've gotten to the point, you know, mm -hmm. where we can see them. So um, it's not weird to me that it's at this moment that you're kind of seeing that on your journey. Makes I sense. think that's wise. I hadn't really thought about that, but I do think I believe that fully. I think that we experience things sometimes not a moment before we're actually ready to. Yeah. Yeah, I really do. You know, um, you, you've shared some of the things about embodiment, but one of the things that I'm really interested in that you and I have talked a lot about um, is how has embodiment um, affected your relationships um, and the way that you engage in relationship? Hugely. I feel like it's the kind of thing that 
once you can kind of crack the code with yourself and figure out how, and like I said, it's this fluid thing. It's not like, oh, once I've come home to myself and I've learned how to embody my physical body, that it just stays that way and it's always easy. It's like this fluid thing that we're constantly moving in and out of. Yes. Um, but I've found that the more self-settled I am in, in who I am as a person, my personality, my quirks, my flaws, my strengths, my weak spots, but also just in my body, my physical body, the more it helps me to show up and be present with my people because I'm just less distracted by all the bullshit. Yep. <laughs> and it's played out in my friendships. It's played out in my mothering. It's for sure played out in my marriage, in our sex life. I mean, we've been married 18 years we've been having sex with each other for a very long time yeah. <laughs> and we're, I'm having the best sex of my life right now. I love that, I love that too. I love so that much. journey for me. <laughs> I love that journey for you and for me to witness it and be inspired by it and trust that, you know, one day when I have a relationship uh-huh. that's 18 years old, it will <laughs> or hot in a new way that it never was before and we were we recently celebrated our 18th anniversary and just this last weekend actually we celebrated late we got we got away together for the weekend and it was it was just this wonderful time and we were like talking about this stuff we were talking about intimacy and sex and why is it better why is it so good right now and I think a huge part of it, I mean, it's a combination of things. We've been married for a long time. We've figured out what works, but for a lot of years, you can kind of fall into the trap of like, well, if you know what formula works, if you've learned your partner's body and they've learned yours, you know, you can do any three of five things and you're both going to walk out of there happy, (laughs) but it's really easy to become just a foregone conclusion and, and to like, let it become mechanical too. And and I think that was something that we experienced for a while, but it's, but we've stepped into this season where it's like, it feels alive and it feels different and it feels safe and comfortable and familiar, but also new and exciting. Yeah. And so we were trying to unpack, like, why is that? What's different? And I think like 70% of it (laughs) for me is just being in my body. Like, Yes. For so many years, I was stuck in my head. And it wasn't that I wasn't present for the sex or even that it wasn't successful or that I wasn't enjoying it. I was, but there was always this thread and this element of like me focusing on like, how is he attracted to me? Like, is he yeah. wanting me? And once I became comfortable and confident in my body, it just, all of that kind of melted away. And it's not now it's like I can focus on my desire for him. And yeah. that's like what makes it so charged, you know, is it's like, I'm not worried. I'm not in my head. I'm not worrying about all that crap. I'm just focusing on desire. And I think desire gives us ownership and ownership is everything in life, right? Like we have to take ownership yeah. over our relationship to our body. We have to take ownership over our sexuality And just being less distracted by my own body and my own inner narrative has helped me to show up in a completely different way. And he's changed a lot too, you know, like neither of us are the same person we were 18 years ago. But, but for me, just being embodied and being comfortable in my body and listening to it, like our bodies know what they want, (laughs) y'all. Let it do the talking for once. You know, you said this thing um, that you said these two things, but you said um, this the other day and I can't get out of my head. You said desire empowers us to reclaim our body. Mm -hmm. And wow, like that has just stuck with me because I think for a long time, I I mean, for a big portion of my life, I was taught that um, desire wasn't a good thing right? Mm-hmm. It was one of those bad emotions and, um, or dangerous too. Yes. Dangerous. Thank you. Yes. Dangerous. Just like women's bodies, right? Mm-hmm. Dangerous. Um, you also said pleasure is healing. Oh, yes. Wow. Tell us about that. Talk about that a little bit. I love that. I mean, it's just, it's just healing. I think <laughs> it's, it's joy. It's being present. It's, there's something about it that has set me free in a way. Um, Like I said, we've been married 18 years. We've 
you know, like any other couple, I'm sure our sex life has had its ups and it's had its downs. And when it's had its downs, that's been an area of, and I'm just getting really vulnerable here. (laughs) Um, That's an area of my life and of our marriage that has been a deep pain point in the past Um, for a number of different reasons that I don't need to get into. But one of the reasons was that I wasn't comfortable in my body and I worried that he wasn't as attracted to me as he said he was. And he's wonderful and lovely and has always made me feel beautiful. But I was so deep in that narrative that I couldn't shake myself out of it. And so just, just because that has been a pain point in the past and when you're caught up in your head, it's hard to just focus on the pleasure. And so now that we're experiencing both physical and emotional pleasure, it's there's intimacy on a physical level, but also on an emotional level, it's just healing. It's healing to our marriage, to my mojo, to part of me as a person that I didn't realize was hurting before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know how else to describe it. I don't know if that's actually helpful, but. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think it definitely is. And it just reminds me of the fact that, you know, I said that, Uh, Amber and I have been friends for a number of years and I've had the opportunity to watch her life and her relationships unfold over that time and see the seasons of her life, the patterns of her life. And I think very early on, we'd only been friends for a couple of years. And I was like, you were having this moment, I think, where you were feeling kind of disconnected from Nate. And I was like, I know what you need to do. (laughs) You need to have sex with your husband because this is what happens. And I watched her before where she would have a moment, she would feel disconnected, and then they would reconnect sexually and then everything would be great. And I was like, this is part of how you experience intimacy. And I've watched you have that realization too. Mm-hmm. What has that been like to like realize that and then be able to kind of, I don't want to say take control, but feel empowered to do something about that. What's it been like? It's been revolutionary <laughs> for me. And honestly, I laugh because you are the person who like spelled that out for me. I've been living in this body for 38 years. And it, I knew that like, I'm a pretty passionate person in all areas of life. And so I think that that spills over into the bedroom. Right. And I've just realized about myself, I'm the kind of person who my body knows things sometimes before my mind does. Like I need that physical connection, that intimacy, that, that connection point. And when we go without it for any length of time, it, it affects every part of our relationship. I become insecure and paranoid and annoyed and gritty and short tempered and brittle. And like, just basically like the worst version of myself. (laughs) And it doesn't feel connected. Like it really doesn't in the moment, but it's like, I just, we can have sex. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh wait, 80% of those things that I was stressed out about just like, don't really matter anymore. And this was just what we needed to do. And you told me that you were like, you just need to have sex. And I was like, okay, wow. You're a hundred percent (laughs) right. Well, I just want to say like, I, the reason that I saw that is because I'm a nerd and I did research for like, (laughs) saw a pattern. It wasn't like I had this emotional. Like you've unlocked my inner secret. Yeah, I just watched it happen. But it was such um, a pattern and I never fully put it together like on that plane in that yeah. simple of a way. Like, oh, it, it really can just be this simple sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I think that like culturally, you know, um, and there's a lot of conversations going on about this right now, but like, a, like women's desire and women's pleasure has never been a conversation that has been centered. It's always been much more hush hush. And um, so when you say something like that, like I need to have sex with my partner, um, that's part of me feeling intimately connected to them. I think people have a tendency to feel like, oh, that's such a masculine perspective, which mm-hmm. I think is completely untrue. Mm-hmm. Well, and just to be vulnerable again, um, that w- was partly why I think our sex life had been a pain point for me in the past, because there were seasons of our marriage where I just wanted and needed sex more than Nate did. Yeah. And as a woman, there was an, there's something about that that felt which why I don't know why, but it felt humiliating. Shameful. Because, yes. Like, mm-hmm 
because so many of my, you know, girlfriends are sitting around coffee and oh, he just wants it all the time. And like, they're so exhausted, you know, and like just trying to like, I mean, not my friends, my friends are awesome, but you hear women say that all the time. And so for me, I felt like it was like sort of alienating or embarrassing or shameful or humiliating in some way that like I wanted it more that I was that partner. And like, it doesn't matter. Like, right. We're, we're all going to change. Like, there's been seasons where I was that person and there's been seasons where Nate was that person, but sure. I don't know why some, something about that felt hurtful to me. Like I, it, it would mess with my head and I would try like start to take it personally and be like, well, maybe he's not as attracted to me, which is just all bullshit, but a spiral, it's a full on spiral. And so that's why I think also this season, the pleasure is healing. It's just, it's healing those parts of myself that felt insecure. And, um, and it has, what's so silly too, Melissa is like, it has nothing to do with Nate. Like this is all right. my own stuff inside yeah. my own head. I don't, yeah. I'm not so confident now all the time, or it's not like I'm always body, body positive. Like I'm body neutral a lot of the time, <laughs> Like, but I think that that's okay. And that's healthy too. Um, but it's not like I'm in the best shape of my life or anything either, but it's just the story I've been telling myself about myself. And it's the way I've been taking up space and showing up in the world in this body, the more peace and joy that I can find and scrape together, it affects everything else in a positive way. You know, you, you were talking about this shame that you felt about, about your desire, right. And about mm -hmm. your longing for pleasure and for sex. And I just, I know that this is a question I have, and I know that listeners listening who probably have experienced the same thing before would have, what, what did the process look like for you to overcome that? I mean, I know we've talked about embodiment as a whole, but I mean, mm -hmm. to specifically overcome that sense of shame there. Um, well, it's been getting honest with myself, first of all, like slowing down in my life enough to truly pay attention to what story I am telling myself, what I'm believing about myself, what I'm believing about my relationship. So it's, it's tuning in, I guess, and learning how to listen to myself. And it's communicating with, <laughs> with my person. And like, just being honest about this stuff, like as I'm realizing it, and the more that we can talk about it, the more it creates intimacy. And then the more that feeds, you know, our sex life too. But it's been, but on like a very like practical level for me, like figuring out how to, how to make peace in my body and how to find joy. It has been exercise. Like I, yeah. I, sometimes I have seasons where I don't work out. Um, like I, since COVID, I've been struggling with anxiety on a level that is new for me. Like it's always been kind of like a low grade thing that I've had a familiar relationship with, but it definitely ratcheted up quite a bit at <laughs> the beginning of yeah. COVID. And for me, one of the symptoms of anxiety is I get really nauseous, um, which is like my body signaling me, like, I'm not okay. I need attention. <laughs> and yeah. when I'm feeling nauseous, I don't push myself to work out. Like yeah. I'll go weeks sometimes and just be really, really gentle with my body. But, but, a, a, you know, big picture, I've learned that just physically moving my body is something that helps me feel more confident and it helps me be present in my body. Yeah. Um, and I just feel happier endorphins and all of that. So exercise, communication, journaling. Um, yeah. I've always been, I'm a writer. Like I've always been a journaler. I have probably 50 different journals that I would start and not finish because I always yeah. have this weird thing like, oh, my writing got too messy or like, oh, like I was always writing as if it was for an audience, even though I yes. would have died, I would never want anybody to see it, but I was always filtering it in this weird way for who myself, I don't know. And I would never stick with it. And this year in 2020, I started the practice of just journaling, like for about 20 minutes every day, no matter what, my only goal is to just keep writing. It's like literal stream of consciousness some days. Yeah. Like I'm just like listing out all of the things that are in my mind, but something about that. And I, and I do it completely unfiltered. Like I literally bought a safe that I keep under my bed. It's a tiny little safe that I keep my journals in because that's how unfiltered <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you know, whatever, in case of emergency, my husband has the code, but like, I'm like, I, if I die, like burn the journals because I'm putting it all in there. 
And I didn't realize how badly I needed to do that. Like there was so much as a writer, and I'm sure you can relate to this. Like we publish things on the internet for the world to read, but it's so important to have things that are just private for ourselves to process first and doing journaling in a really unfiltered way every day has helped me kind of just get out onto the page, like what I really think and what I really feel and what I really want and what I'm really afraid of. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so I, I have been the same way as you with journaling and it's only been in the past three years that I have like filled up journals and just kept going and done Mm -hmm. that unfiltered thing. And this year I started something new at the beginning of the year. And it was because of Liz Gilbert, who I adore. I feel like Mm -hmm. she and I are kindred spirits um, in just the way we live our life and our writing, whatever. But anyway, she um, was talking about art journaling and she was talking about like, don't be afraid to mess up the journal. Don't be afraid to make mistakes with it. Just do it. Like just pour it. And that was so liberating for me. And I started art journaling and it was like a whole world opened up to me. Mm -hmm. Um, It was huge. It was really huge. And now you're doing art like pieces. Did that start in your journal? No, I've been doing, um, I've been making art since I was very young. It's just something that I didn't really share publicly because I never felt like I was a real artist. So, um, you know, I mean, you, I don't know if you ever, maybe you didn't experience that as a writer. I think oh, imposter syndrome? A hundred percent. Yeah. Is the sky blue? Doing a podcast. Only every day, workshop right? workshop out there. Yeah. Everything. Um, yeah, you know, you, um, one thing I remember about, about you and Nate's relationship, which has been such a gift to, to get to watch these past several years and just watch how you grow together and like do different things to grow together is that, um, I feel like you, you don't just try and do it on your own. Like you're willing to, um, use resources to help you. And when I say that, I think of like this time, if I'm remembering correctly, where you guys would sit down and you would ask each other some questions, maybe mm-hmm. like journal or something. Mm-hmm. Is that is yeah. that right? Like, yeah, we did that for you did that. Yeah, and I miss it, and I still bring it up, and I'm like, oh, I want to do that again. And he's like, okay, but if we do it, we have to make it our own because basically we got, we bought this like marriage journal, which I know. Are you rolling your eyes? Like, I'm it not, sounds so it. cheesy, but and it was a little bit. But it was also a good exercise because it was a season of life and of our marriage that was really, really busy and full. And it was full and busy, not just because of our kids and their schedules and whatever, but because like I was pursuing new things. I was like kind of stepping out and trying new things creatively and professionally. And he was as well. And so I felt like we were both kind of like, we're doing life together and we're coming home and this is like the the home base, but we're like, moving out in these new directions and we didn't have a lot of connection points to like unpack that together. And so we started this practice, like every Sunday night we would, we had this journal and basically every week we would just ask each other the same six questions. And it was, I I don't know if I can remember them all, but it was like, what's something that was life giving for you this week? What, or like, what's something that was good? What's something that was hard? Like, however you want to word that life giving life draining. Yeah. Um, and that was always really interesting to because we would be surprised by each other's answers sometimes. Um, what what was the other questions? What's something that I can do for you this week, like yeah. this coming week? So we would like look at our schedule. We would check in with each other. And so we would just ask these same six questions yeah. We did it for maybe like six to nine months. And it was yeah. really cool because it for me, I love to go deep and connect and talk about our feelings <laughs> Nate is super, he's a one on the Enneagram. He's like very practical, very logical, does not live all up in his feelings. It's like all about efficiency. Like it's just, there's certain conversations that don't happen unless they really have a specific time and place to unfold. You know what I mean? Um, And so I loved, I felt like that was a little gift I gave myself every week was getting this chance to kind of just have a deep conversation with him and unpack all of the thoughts and feelings of the week before. (laughs) Yeah. And it helped us stay connected. And we did it there. Then after a while, it was like life kind of got busy or we, he was getting annoyed because the questions were always the same. And so I was like, okay, well, we don't have to keep doing this. And so we, we haven't done it since then, but I feel like it did open doors of us figuring out how to just communicate to where it can happen more naturally now. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things I loved about it was like, it was just a tool that you used for a certain season in your marriage. And then I know you just came back from this beautiful, um, you know, anniversary getaway. And you were, one of the things you were telling me was like, we, you know, we were just talking about all the things and sharing our feelings and so connected. And I was thinking, okay, well, that tool worked then. You don't have to keep using the same tool over and over again, mm -hmm. like to, to, um, make to get the same results. <laughs> same result. Yeah. Like use what's useful for that moment. Use that's useful for that season. And then like be comfortable letting go of it and welcoming in what comes next. Mm, you know? I feel like you, that's something that you model really, really well. Like I've seen you walk through so many different seasons of healing and growth. And there's been certain things that tools that you'll pick up that you need for a while and then maybe kind of realize you don't need it or it's going to take on this new form. I, that's something right. that really inspires me that I get out of our friendship, our weird little Voxer friendship where we've never met in real <laughs> life, but, but yet, you know, like some of the most intimate things about me um, is that I've just seen you transition through so many different seasons and each season have the courage to find new tools, to create new yeah. tools. And now you're offering tools to other women. I think that's really beautiful. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I am definitely experiencing imposter syndrome with that as well. But I'm also, there's this, this book, and I've told you about it. It's called Blossoms and Bones by Kim Kranz. And I love it. It's, um, it's basically like a published art journal in a sense, but it has a narrative that flows through it. And in one of the pages, um, she says, she, she puts two prayers and she says, I offer these two prayers to the moon. One, help me to love what is. And two, send what you will and I will tend to it. Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking a lot about what I'm starting to offer and share in my life. And I know you've experienced this as well um, with your podcast and your writing, all the different things that you've done, but just not getting so focused on what the end result is going to be in the future or what my audience is going to be in the future and just focusing on what I have right now, what has been given to me right now and just tending to that well and caring for that well. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like I'm, I'm there in that season. And I know you have had seasons of putting out a, just a, a ton of content, engaging with an audience, both um, in your uh, exercise groups and also um, through your podcast and your mm -hmm. blog. And then you also have seasons of kind of more stillness and maybe you're in that right now. What is that like for you to be able to flow through those seasons? Um, I don't, I feel like this is the first time in my adult life that I've, that I'm doing it intentionally. <laughs> maybe yeah. not, maybe not the first time, but yeah, I was in a very busy season for a couple of years of trying to write on a blog, work on a book proposal, publish, you know, content, do put out weekly episodes of a podcast with my podcast partner. It's just like a lot of content creation and like kind of keeping the machine going. And I was passionate and am still passionate about, and even with my fitness coaching and stuff, like these are all different things that I was really into and really cared about. Right. And then as we kind of wrapped up 2019 and 2020 started, I just was all of a sudden overwhelmed. I felt so compelled to just simplify and like clear the decks and get low and get quiet. And it felt very counterintuitive because some things were starting to pick up pace and like, I have a really strong three wing on the Enneagram. I know I keep talking about the Enneagram. I'm that basic girl who like brings it into every conversation, but it's real. We love basic. It's real. I have a really strong three wing, which is like performer achiever. I really, it's important for me to feel productive, to be striving for something. I have this like really ambitious streak. Um, and I didn't, I just, it didn't make sense for me. Like I didn't know why, but I just felt like I've got to clear the decks and I've just got to get still because I had, I was starting to, I was starting to have a really hard time listening to myself <laughs> again mm, and yeah. being in my body. And it's because I was doing all these things that I was passionate about, but it was a lot of things. Yeah. And so I did, I cleared that I'm not podcasting right now. Like, and when I started doing that, I didn't think I was going to set everything down. I thought, one at a time. Okay. Maybe I'm going to stop podcasting for a while. Okay. But now I'm going to really focus in on my coaching. That's going to be my thing. And then it was like, I was just really surprised to find that 
by the halfway point of this year, which obviously looked nothing like what any of us thought it would. I just like, I set everything down. And like the last job that I was doing, I just told everybody I was stepping away. I'm taking a six month sabbatical and I'm just receiving my right now life and trying to stay in touch with myself and with my body and with my people. And it feels really liberating and it feels really, really good. Like I was so scared to do it because I don't know why it's not like I was like running some successful, like mega company or something. <laughs> you know, and it's not like I'm that big of a deal, but I just felt really, really yes, scared to give myself permission to just stop and turn inward for a while. Um, but now that I am, it feels liberating. Yeah. And I mean, what a beautiful, I've had the opportunity to witness that process for you. And you were even talking about you know, these different memories and stuff that have been coming up and you're having an opportunity to face those and heal those, you are giving yourself the gift of that space. And I have to believe, because I've also experienced this myself, that when we do that, it allows us to go in deeper in what we can offer the world, mm-hmm. right? We, we're able to to um, offer things that have even more value because um, we understand ourselves better and we've been through those processes of facing of grieving of digging in deeper of healing Mm -hmm. 100% yeah yeah absolutely well we're gonna go ahead and wrap things up we've already been talking for almost an hour which is not hard to believe (laughs) um but before we go I just wonder is there anything that you would like to leave with our listeners maybe about something you've already talked about a topic or something that you haven't talked about at all um I just would want to say that it's okay if if this part of your life is messy. Yes. Like, it's so messy, right? It's like some of the hardest, most rewarding work, but it's also messy work. And yeah. um, you can slow down and you can be gentle. You can mother your own body. You can be mm. nurturing. You can be gentle. You can be awkward. You can be messy. You can be full of starts and stops. Like, let it be what it's going to be, but just keep doing the work of coming home to yourself and, yeah. and learning how to inhabit this one body that you've got with joy. Yeah. <laughs> However yeah. that looks for you. I think it's going to look different for all of us in different seasons, but yeah, it makes Absolutely. every part of life so much richer. Yeah. And the sex, Richard, too. We just Amen. Want to, like, Preach. We just want to hammer home that point. <laughs> just like, yeah. but... <laughs> for no other reason, do it for your sex life. Do it for your sex life. Um, well, thank you so much for doing this with me. I appreciate it. I always love talking to you. Are you and... kidding? This is a blast. <laughs> I could talk for two more hours, but me too. we'll do that on Boxer. Thank you for having me. I feel honored. Of course. Of course. All right. I'll talk with you soon. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. I'm so glad that you were here with us on this conversational journey. If you'd like to follow Amber, she can be found on Instagram at Amber Salas and on her website, ambersalas.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you're welcome to Venmo me at Melissa B. Hawks. Thanks so much. So glad you're here. Love you. Mean it. Bye.